Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Prime Minister goes to the BC First Nation that first invited him to visit on the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. I think it, it's really important to point out is once again on display is, is the openness of the Indigenous community uh, to time and again you know, try to keep the relationship moving forward. It would be so easy uh, after being, you know, having their invitations ignored to just say, shut the door on this, we don't want them out here. Alberta holds a referendum on equalization. Really, it's a symbol of whether uh, we should have a fair deal in the Canadian Federation. This is something that we were elected on, a commitment to do this. We are keeping the commitment. Um, and uh, this is an opportunity for Albertans to say yes to a fair deal. And Canadians will still require a COVID test to return to the country from the United States after the border fully reopens next month. Our measures have been flexible and they have adapted to changing circumstances. And that of course will continue to be the situation. It's Monday, October 18th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics. Good morning, Peter. Morning, Mark. Let's start with the fact that the Prime Minister is going to visit the First Nation in Kamloops that invited him to participate with them in Truth and Reconciliation Day uh, on September 30th when he chose instead to go on a family vacation to Tofino on Vancouver Island. What do you expect to come from this today? Because I, I sense from the invitation and from the reaction of members of the Indigenous leadership that they're not looking for for uh, gestures, they're not looking for symbolism here, they're looking for something more than that. Yeah, I think what's you know really interesting, uh, the first thing I'd say, Mark, you know, when I, the controversy at the time when you found out that you know, they'd extended uh, two written invitations, were not responded to for Justin Trudeau to, uh, you know, attend the Kamloops First Nation on the first day of National Truth and Reconciliation. And they weren't answered. He didn't show up. He did the event in Ottawa the night before, uh, went on a family holiday the day of uh, the day for Truth and Reconciliation, the first one in the country, uh, and the ensuing anger. I think it, it's really important to point out what is once again on display is is the openness of the indigenous community uh, to time and again, um, you, you know, try to keep the relationship moving forward. It would be so easy uh, after being, you know, having their invitations ignored to just say, shut the door on this. We don't want them out here. Uh, they, they'll probably try to come out here. His office will contact us. But, you know, no thanks. Uh, we're tired of being... Um, you know, sort of cast aside and, and tired of being ignored. But once again, here we are two weeks after the fact, and they're willing to have Justin Trudeau come and see them. Now, you know, I get uh, there's a purpose for it, and uh, everybody knows what that is, to advance uh, their efforts and their goals at reconciliation. But I think it's worth pointing out right off the top about the fact that, okay, they're open to have him come even after, you know, the troubles of the last two weeks. But the other thing to watch for is exactly what comes from the visit. They've made it very clear. Uh, we want, you know, federal funding for um, a, a healing center in that community for Indigenous, uh, for residential school survivors. And if I think if the Prime Minister shows up and, and visits and uh, doesn't uh, provide 
uh, follow through on that concrete request. I think it might make the situation worse, but I expect that's what we'll see. Mm. All right. We'll see what happens today. Uh, the other big news today is the fact that there is a referendum happening in Alberta, and uh, this is this is about equalization payments. Uh, and and Jason Kenney, the premier of Alberta, has said quite plainly that it's about getting leverage with the federal government uh, if for constitutional negotiations, uh, which he's you know uh, on on the subject of. Uh, the system of uh, that that um, that that Alberta feels treats it, uh, the province unfairly, right? right. Yeah, the, on, the ongoing you know conversation around you know uh, you know fiscal imbalance and what happens to the province of Alberta and its contributions to uh, the Canadian you know financial fabric and how much of that money it gets back and it feels it's uh, being snubbed, uh, denied, ignored, uh, condemned. Uh, all of those words we've heard during this. Conversation, uh, you know, the polls uh, suggest that uh, it's the kind of referendum that that would likely pass uh, because Albertans are angry. They're angry about a lot of things, including Jason Kenney. So you know, there are critics on uh, on the other side saying this is a this is a uh, an issue created by Justin Kenney to try and deflect some of the controversies around his leadership. And he says it's all, it's all about getting respect for Alberta and creating leverage. The question is, where does the leverage come from? What leverage does uh, Alberta have? And that's been a debate. So we will, we'll see what comes from the result. But, you know, what Jason Kenney's hoping for is that other premiers might fall into line behind Alberta's position to say, look, the system's unfair. It needs to be rethought. And he's coming at it from a very particular, uh, you know, you know, point of view, Mark, as we know, which is, you know, you know, Quebec and British Columbia slag Alberta for pipelines, uh, you know, uh, this and that, and the other thing that Alberta feels it's been, uh, you know, maligned for. But by the same token, we're we're coming through a pandemic where, you know, the federal government has been essentially writing. Uh, blank checks uh, to all the provinces, including Alberta, to help deal with pandemic problems and benefits for workers and companies and, and employees and and uh, you know renters and, and everything else. And so, you know, how strong is the Alberta claim for you know uh, you, you know we're being we're being left aside and we're being you know in effect punished by the terms of confederation when you see what's happened in the pandemic and how much has been done for Alberta and other provinces. So I think you, you wait and see the outcome, but you know, what's leverage exactly going to mean yeah. uh, in the context of everything else that's being done for provinces, including Alberta, and how much power will this, uh, the outcome of this referendum, if the answer to the question is yes, uh, you know, uh, reopen the constitution, eliminate uh, the provisions of equalization from the constitution, we'll see uh, how much traction that gets. All right. Let's turn to the pandemic and the government's handling of it. And uh, there are a couple of things going on. There's lots going on, obviously, but a couple of things that we can focus on. Uh, The government is considering whether to extend the benefits that have been provided to businesses and individuals throughout the pandemic. And then there's a lot going on, obviously, with the development of vaccine passports and also what measures Canadians are required to take in order to reenter the country. So, uh, let's touch on some of those and and sure. uh, all the different decisions the government is is going to have to make in the in the coming days. Right. Why don't we start with the the benefits piece, which you know, as you say, ends in in coming days. The government, without uh, the approval from Parliament, uh, you know, I think it's up until uh, the middle of next month, uh, can make these changes. 
and extend these programs without, uh, you know, having to introduce new and pass new legislation through Parliament after that, it gets, it gets more complicated. You know, I think it's hard to think that given everything the government has said about having everybody's back during the pandemic, which, you know, seems to be easing, but clearly isn't over. And there are many constituencies still asking for this extension of government help. It's hard to uh, see a scenario in, in which the government says, no, we're turning the taps off now because that's not what this government has said all along. It's not uh, been what they've talked about. So I think what I'll be watching for is to see whether, uh, you know, I, I think to, uh, to some extent the extension is a foregone conclusion of these benefits, but what do they look like? Does it start becoming more targeted? Do they start uh, reining in um, some, of the, uh, the, some of the money that goes out the door and how much uh, federal benefit that uh, you know people can continue to collect in any one of these hard-hit sectors. I mean, a lot of people in the business community have said, look, it's time now as vaccination rates increase and infection rates drop, it's time to start, uh, you know, uh, more targeted benefits that, for instance, don't provide more income uh, to people than they could actually get if they were working. And that happens in, in many cases. So I, I think I, I think it's fair to say you'll see the the benefits continue uh, at least until next month when uh, the government will have to confront whether it wants to return to Parliament and legislate a further extension. But watch for them to be more targeted in terms of how much money goes out the door and to who uh, with a view to trying to get more people back into the workforce. Right. All right. And, and what about some of the considerations around the border of course there's a lot going on there too because the yeah. the united states is is opening its border its land border to canadians uh in in a matter of weeks and and so there will be lots of canadians presumably who will be crossing that border and then coming back and there's still a, a bit of an onerous process for canadians to re-enter the country yeah i, I think this is going to be a test of the goodwill of canadians uh, at some point uh because they're they're you know the uh, the message from the government has been, and from every government, has been do all the things we need you to do and you'll start getting uh, something closer to normalcy in, in your lives. So as we go down this road, uh, it becomes a bigger, bigger test of, of support from Canadians who say, who are now looking at what's about to happen. The U.S. is going to open the border. You can get on a plane and fly to the United States now, uh, you know, you know, with a, with a uh, one of those thirty to forty to fifty dollar tests that is not a uh, it's an antigen test, not a, a molecular test, but you can't come back without the molecular test. And and as you pointed out, a lot of Canadians are making the argument: Wait a minute, I'm fully vaccinated. I'm getting this this test, uh, you know, the antigen antigen test that the Americans require, the airlines require for me to fly into the U.S. And then it's going to be the case driving across the board. Now, I have, when I come back to Canada, I still have to take the molecular test, which is anywhere from 149 to 200 plus dollars in the United States to get back into Canada. Uh, so, for a lot of Canadians, the question is why? Uh, why do we still have to do that? And we've heard federal cabinet ministers say as recently as this weekend, "Look, we're taking our advice from the officials at Health Canada that say this is still a good way." Uh, to track uh, potential cases coming back into Canada, so they're still going to require this test. Um, I'll be interested to see how long that lasts, how, how long after November uh, that still becomes a requirement, because I don't expect you'll hear fewer uh, objections from Canadians. Between now and then, you'll hear more objections from Canadians. Why do we still have to do this? Yeah. All right. Lots of big decisions uh, today and, and beyond. So it'll be interesting to watch this week leading up to the announcement of the new cabinet next week. Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. 
Always good to talk to you, Mark. Take care. That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Robin Sears considers what the Conservative Party must do to stay relevant. Sears writes, The Conservative Party does not need to fall for the foolish choice that many are trying to force it into. It does not need to filter policy choices between left and right. The more useful selection criteria should surely be appealing to urban Canadians or not. The Conservative Party of Canada is at a crossroads. It will begin to implement changes and push back on the continuing efforts to further radicalize the party or begin a certain slide to irrelevance. At cbc.ca, Aaron Huery argues the Liberals might be wise to do a deal with the NDP. Huery writes, One of the messages of last month's election was that Canadians aren't particularly interested in seeing politicians campaign right now. What they seem to want instead is for MPs to get things done. And however much the Liberals and NDP disagree about methods, they agree broadly when it comes to which issues the federal government should focus on. For the Liberals, the benefit of such an agreement could be a chance to get more things done over the next two or four years than they could by negotiating issue to issue. In an editorial, the Toronto Sun calls for better COVID data. The Sun writes, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, Alberta's top doctor, announced last Tuesday the number of COVID-19 deaths in the province, including the death of a 14-year-old who had pre-existing medical conditions that played a significant role. She has now announced that, moving forward, she will not publicly report any COVID deaths in anyone under 18 until a proper review of the death has been completed. It's a move that should be extended to other provinces. When this sort of data shapes public opinion and public policy, it's important that what's released is the best data possible. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. As we mentioned, the Prime Minister will visit a First Nation in British Columbia. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, October the 18th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.